You're listening to Car Free Midwest. We're a podcast based in Omaha, Nebraska, exploring the stories, barriers, and joys of getting around without a car. Our goal is to build a community around more transportation equity and less car dependency. I'm Sarah Johnson. And I'm Joshua LeBure. And, and this, this is Car, is car Free, Free Midwest. 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 Mid- So today we are talking with Trility Wade of Safe Omaha Streets, which is a new organization, uh, obviously in Omaha, thus the name. But we will have you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about the organization. Um, And for short, it's SOS, uh, Safe Omaha Streets, because I think we have a problem here. Um, The way, and it occurred to me when I was like, oh, I'll tell about like the genesis of this or the start of how it all came about and I was curious then after that how mode shift came about I know you're not with them anymore but like you you know you were mode shift for a lot of years like what your origin story was because for this um, I was taking a remote I was getting a graduate certificate from Tufts University in nutrition remotely a couple years ago and one of the many courses I had to take was on physical activity and planning and a possible, um, one of my professors, Mark Fenton, have you heard of him? He might, I'll send you his information. He might be a good I, guest for you guys. To I have feel on. like that name is familiar. So yeah. Interesting. I think He's so. come here before for like walkability studies. He's hella passionate. Um, like a big walk, walkability guy. He's a consultant, but he also is one of the teachers in this course. And so in this course, we had to do, our final project was basically choose something in our community um, that would be like a planning project. And I chose 52nd Northwest Radial. And as I was doing research on that, I realized Mode Shift had also done, I knew you guys had done uh, demonstrations, but I didn't realize like you guys had put together a whole video and everything. And so I took that um intersection and came up with potentials like potential solutions like a roundabout a road diet you know canceled out other solutions like why you don't want to daylight the um, subway because it was so long and so much you know it was dark and crime and everything Um, and then I presented that not only to my class but I ended up presenting it to the mayor's active living advisory committee because Andy Wessel who knew my professor and was on the committee at the time in Douglas County Health Douglas County Health was like, I would love for you to come present this. So January of 2021, I presented it. Oh, and oh, another thing I wanted to say is in the process of doing this project, um, I got to, I, I don't, I have a lot of issues with the way the mayor handles things, but I will say people in the city of Omaha who I worked with were amazing. Like there was a traffic engineer who was so helpful to me doing this project. So I presented this project and uh, the vision zero coordinator was there. It was his first, it was his first ALAC meeting and I got great feedback and mode shift saw it, um, saw the presentation. I sent it to you guys. And I think one of your people was in the meeting. And then I was like, you know what? Um, I'm going to try and get on the ALAC board. Like everyone really likes me on that board. I attend a lot of the meetings via zoom anyway. And I tried and tried and tried and tried and tried and kept checking back. And I I have a resume that I think is good for it. And after about six months, I was finally finally told I wasn't going to be on. And I was just told by the mayor's office that they weren't appointing any more people. And if they did, and keep in mind, they couldn't even keep a quorum sometimes or make a hit a quorum. 
So can I, I don't hear you, Sarah. I, I mute while you're talking just to make sure there's not background noise. But so, and I, so I nod fervently. Like, yes, yes. Cause yeah. I am, yeah, definitely hearing all of what you're saying about the way that the mayor handles things and about the way her committees work and about, yeah, just things like that. So okay. go ahead. So, yeah. So I do like the people I've worked with in the city and I really thought I would <laughs> really naively thought I would. I would get on and they, and the mayor doesn't know who I am, but someone from her office, Carrie Murphy, was like, you're not appointed. And if anyone is, it'll be from someone from South O. So I immediately got a hold of Vinnie Palermo who represents South O and said, um, I would love for you to find someone who you would put on this board. And I don't think that's happened, but I did attend the last ALAC meeting last month because this month's meeting is tomorrow. Um, and I said to the guys, because I was letting them know about Safe Omaha Streets, and I said, there are nine white men on this board right now. And I said, and I couldn't even get on this board. There is a um, a black gal who is on it, uh, whose name is totally blank. I'm blanking on her name, but she's on it. She didn't happen to be at that meeting, but that's the greatest diversity. So long story short, after I wasn't put on the ALAC board, I thought, well, uh, can I curse? Because I was like, <laughs> thought, fuck it. <laughs> Jim and I have spent, and my partner Jim used to work for you, Sarah, and we have spent years calling the police, calling the mayor's hotline, emailing the mayor's hotline. And I finally was like, I want to try and get a coalition of people to crowdsource a voice for safe streets in Omaha. And a little bit different than mode shift, what we want to do is really focus on two goals a year. Because um, you had even mentioned it in one of your podcasts, like there's so much that mode shift does that it's kind of hard to focus. So we're focusing on reducing red light running and uh, getting people to understand how to zipper merge. So I'll stop and see if you have any questions first. But I just wanted to give the genesis of how Safe Omaha Street 7 came about. And my partner, Jim, who used to ride his bike constantly, um, you know, he just doesn't. He's been hit commuting and it it really has triggered a ton of anxiety in him. And I've heard that from other people who have moved here. And if we're going to stick around Omaha, I want to try and make it better, which you totally understand. <laughs> because it's scary here. And I mean, that's, you know, that's something that in the last, I mean, I was, so we are, you know, talking about relocating out of Omaha. Um, I've been here 13 years and I've been involved in various forms of bike advocacy and mobility justice in whatever way I can figure out between, yeah, starting bike shop, helping start mode shift, um, applying for ALAC myself. No one from mode shift has ever been appointed because the mayor has already decided that we're not worth the appointment anyway. But yeah, it's, uh, it's frustrating. And I, I definitely think it's commendable that you two have said, you know what, we're going to try something different. Um, because it does take a lot of people to have a big enough voice that the, the players that be will make some changes. Um, it's also glad to hear that you've had good experiences in working with folks in public works. And I'm wondering if the helpful engineer was Jeff Rieselman. Yeah. Yeah. He's actually pretty helpful. Yeah. yeah. Um, Todd Fitzer is hopefully going to get elected to the Douglas County engineer position and get out of the city of Omaha because he oh, can be a roadblock okay. quite, quite literally. Um, okay. So that'll be hopefully good for some of these issues that a lot of us have been talking about for a lot of years. Um, I'm wondering things with him, but he was at that presentation and was, mm -hmm. he was pretty amenable to the presentation. But yeah. I also do think, as you know, I think a lot of the guys in traffic and public works, I'm sure that there's such a 
a hardened shield between so many of us. We all want the same thing, but do you know what I mean? I haven't worked with Todd, with Todd too much, but I have heard things from both you and Jim, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Poor Jim. He always used to hear about all the stuff I would bring back from meetings. It was not good. Sorry, Josh. Good. I would also like to jump in and say that I think focusing on zipper merging <laughs> is such a great idea. Uh, for this place. Yeah. The two goals. That's, that's brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah. cause then and, you can't yeah, be laser a, focused. Yeah. There's like one, uh, there's one bike crossing area. Uh, well, there's a couple intersections that I just never go <clears throat> on green, like right when it turns green, because so many people run those lights and one is yeah. specifically over, uh, by the, is it, there's like a Arby's and <clears throat> man, what street is that? It's like right where the South Omaha Trail crosses. Um, anyway, I don't, I don't even hit the walk signal. I just like run it every time whenever it's clear because the only time I ever saw somebody get hit by a car on a bicycle is at that intersection. It's because somebody ran the light and they were going whenever they had the right of way. <laughs> and there's some things on the red light running that I've well, what what I'm what part of what I want to do with SOS is I want to inform people as to how like you can. If you have a problem intersection, you can contact your city council person and they will, if, I mean, you get put in a queue, but it's usually pretty fast and they put police there. Now, when Chris Jerem was our counselor, is that, he, is that counselor, right? City council rep? Um, he would not provide me the data. But since Bagley's been in, he's done this for me a few times and then he sends me the data. And so I can see that there are, at 52nd and Dodge is a place that we see a lot of red light running. And what we can see is that they do like, there's like 10 citations in two hours, you know, so we do have a problem. So one thing I want to do is try and get people to understand that. And I've had talks with the Omaha Police Department, because before starting this, I talked to a lot of agencies. I talked to MAPA, I talked to OPD, I talked to the city to kind of try and get a read on what they think the problems are and what they think the lack of communication is or the lack of effectiveness and so the Omaha Police Department is like, we know where the major problems are, but we depend on citizens to bring forward where these smaller ones are. And the second thing that I just found out, um, I thought, did you guys know that we can't have red light cameras here? So I was always thinking, you know what, why don't we just have red light cameras? Because it reduces, you know, a black driver is not going to be shot by a red light camera. And I know a lot of people like I can get a little bit probably more pro enforcement than some people because I think sometimes the the presence of police might makes you know, make make people slow down or drive properly. But I also understand I'm not you know, I'm a white woman. So I understand that that can get a little scary, too. And so I was like, well, red light cameras. Um, I found out from the city law department, and this is going to be a blog post that I do that we the city of Omaha in 1998 did make an ordinance for red light cameras and Cha Ernie Chambers brought a lawsuit against them. And so now to have any red light camera enforcement in the city of Omaha, it needs to be changed at the legislative level. Now, I wanted to focus specifically on Omaha with SOS, but it could be a long term goal that to reduce red light running, that we have to change something at the state level. Interesting. I definitely had no idea about that because I actually, and to be a hundred percent honest, cause that's how I do. Uh, when I was looking at the website, I noticed how heavy on enforcement and like call the police about this and we need more police here. And I, I mean, personally, and I think that was, that kind of was what we were working with, uh, like kind of a position 
with mode shift was we're not into enforcement because we know that, you know, you want to talk about data, like we know that enforcement does not happen equally. And it unfortunately predominantly affects black and brown folks. And that's not something that I personally or mode shift personally is really behind. Um, but I understand that it's like, what can we do? Like, what can we do? Because everything here seems so slow. And even when we recognize the problems and even when we know how to fix them, it seems like sometimes there's just like, it's, I, I, you know, we've been told that we're too political on this podcast, but like infrastructure is about politics. I hate to say it, but like, that's kind of just the reality. And we need a little bit more, I don't know, we need just different leadership. We need some leadership. And I feel like sometimes we don't have that. I mean, I agree with the leadership. It's funny that you say that. Like, it never occurred to me that in looking at the website, it would be heavy on enforcement. So that's interesting. And and it's funny because like Steve Osberg and Jeff, I can never pronounce his name, our new Vision Zero coordinator, Sobzik or whatever. Um, Subject. Subject. They're, you know, they always, like, they're always going to put education, um, engineering, encouragement way above enforcement. And the reason I do that, though, with the red light running is because we specifically want to do red light running. And I think sometimes what happens, yeah, you don't want to interface, you know, people of color and the police too often. But a lot of the places I've called on are probably more that still doesn't take it out. Right. Just because you're going to have white drivers doesn't mean they're going to stop the black driver they see. But part of that is also for data gathering, because you can't just you can't just wait for someone to die or be seriously injured to try and prove to the powers that be that you have a problem. But if you, and I know like, and the enforcement's there for a few hours. Yes, a tragedy can totally happen within a few hours, but it's sort of like, how do we also show um, at a level where, and kind of, I guess, like you're working in their system, because we can stand there with our cameras and video all day long too, right? Um, And I've thought about doing that, but I've also thought like, "Eh, I just never thought of it as, as heavy enforcement. And I don't want to be that person because I do consider myself pretty progressive, you know? Um, So yeah, so that is interesting feedback to get, you know, but I think otherwise we do try and do, we're also trying to build on the momentum of existing programs like Vision Zero. Another reason it's good for us to start SOS now is building on the momentum of Vision Zero. And the other thing is when like talking about zipper merging, this is a problem when it comes to accountability with the city. Did you guys know that the city actually does have a zipper merge public outreach campaign? Had you heard of that? Absolutely not. No. So it's been around since 2019. They developed it. I believe it might be like a third party, like a consultant. And it was never distributed because of COVID, I believe. But it's called Just Zip It. And it's a pretty cute little fucking website. And they have like a little video, you know, where the the woman, the wife's driving and the guy's like, you know, just zip it. And she thinks he's like saying, shut up. And they have good resources. And they talk about where construction is and how you're supposed to properly merge. They even have decals. Like this one, it's a zip it decal. It says, don't hate, merge late. So what's frustrating and bizarre is, like, you can tell the city has interest in this, but then it just sits there. Like, money was paid for this campaign. So another thing about SOS is, it's not like I'm doing the city's work for them, but I'm kind of going to do the city's work for them, where I do want to, there's a blog post on it. And it's like, if someone spent money on that, then let's let's get that out there because you guys with us in the know as you two are about everything city level and you didn't even know about this campaign. So. I think, uh, I think that 
you know, the city likes to show that it's interested in things, but not actually do anything about it. <laughs> well, and I think well, that's back and forth because listening to some of your guys' old podcasts, and I know the Harney Street, I know the Harney Street, I know there's a lot of problems, right? But it's also interesting. I was just listening to maybe the Kevin Sweeney one, and it was right out of the, after the death in Blackstone. And I don't know enough about the Blackstone stuff to know if it was like, you know, if it was like 50% mode shift, 50% city of Omaha, I don't, I don't know how that works, but, um, like that, that's nice to see when I drove through there. Do I really still think that it would be nice if Blackstone was just completely shut off from traffic? <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, but I mean, I, it is nice to yeah. see that that's actually a tangible it is. That's something we haven't talked about is that it is nice that they actually did something over there. I mean, it does feel a lot more like there's a lot more obstruction through driving, which is they told us slower over there. They told us to wait till 2023 when the street design was going to be done. And I said, you have a dead person that you should be reacting to. And unfortunately, Omaha has told Mode Shift, we are a reactionary city. We don't do something if you don't bring it up. So that's why historically Mode Shift does get out in the streets with picket signs to draw some attention to some stuff so that the city does react. Um, short update on how Blackstone went down. We got involved after the, you know, countless crashes. I'm sure someone's counting. Uh, but they, you know, Rieselman is the one who told me, you know what, there's already a streetscape in in place. It's going to be happening at the end of 2023. Just wait until then. And we were like, no, we're not waiting till then. Like, this is inexcusable now like how many more people have to get hit and die before you make something different now and um i actually worked with uh someone in city planning from council bluffs who's a mode shift member and we put together kind of like a list of ideas that could be done immediately and submitted that to them and they were like well we're looking into it we don't really know and then i said you know what we should talk to the bid the business improvement district of blackstone and so got in touch with them and they asked um, me to come present to their board about some ideas and um, we kind of worked together and I said, you know what, don't, don't let the city of Omaha tell you that we have to wait until 2023. The second thing is if we're waiting till 2023 and we still aren't getting crosswalks at every intersection, that's a huge problem. Like this is a bar district. There are drunk people on every block who are not going to walk four blocks to cross one block when they want to go to the bar across the street. So I'm not interested in waiting and the end product isn't worth waiting for. So we would like to do this, 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 this now. Of course, the city's like, well, we're going to have to do some studies and we don't really know and we don't think blah, blah, blah. And that was kind of my last hurrah with mode shift. And then I kind of stepped back because I was losing my mind about how felt like nothing is happening. And then that all happened. So I think it was um, telling the city that it is not okay to wait for that long and also telling them that the end product was not enough and also giving some low cost opportunities and, you know, call it a pilot project, like whatever you have to call it, just do something so we can start looking like we're making efforts when it comes to reducing death on the streets. Like what is a city for if it's not to like help its people and literally like preventing them from dying would be kind of top of the list you'd think, but it's always surprising. Um, but that's kind of the short rundown on what happened in Blackstone. And I, I am pleased that like stuff happened from that, you know, like that was, that was, there are little sprinklings throughout the years of stuff where I'm like, okay, we're not doing nothing. I'm just really impatient, I think is mostly the problem. Well, I didn't. <sighs> I am that. curious. Oh, go ahead. I Josh. do have a quick, yeah, I just have a quick thing I wanted to go back to. Um, Cause you mentioned the, the red light cameras and stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. And I've never really thought about it as a way to like reduce the number of, you know, potential traffic stops. Um, I'm a, 
generally uncomfortable with the idea of like big brother and like uh and surveillance i think that if we just slow down all of streets then if someone does run a red light because you know so understanding that people are people and a lot of us are not the smartest and or are distracted and or whatever people are going to make human mistakes right so the roads ideally should be designed to accommodate those mistakes and not ending in death so what that means to me is lower the speed limits you know we go ahead and we hire a vision zero coordinator and we act like vision zero is a thing which you used the words momentum behind vision zero earlier so i want to come back to that and know what the heck you're talking about because i have not seen momentum when it comes to that um but if we slow down all the streets then someone does run a light it's they're able to stop quickly because they aren't going 50 miles an hour and if a pedestrian does get hit, the likelihood of them having a serious injury fatality also goes down substantially when you lower the speed limit. So ugh, it's such a multifaceted thing. Really quick. The, the problem there, though, is data shows that reducing the speed limit really doesn't usually correlate to reduction in speed. Now, what Jeff Speck, I think, was saying on your podcast, which I had never thought about till being with Jim coming from the East Coast, Jim's big gripe. Um, uh, here is design. Like, let's take Dodge, for example, where I'm talking about all these red light runnings. I grew up in Omaha. I, I didn't, you know, it didn't occur to me. Jim was like, the wider your roads, the faster people will go. If you narrow the roads, you know, so it's yeah. like road diet. You can't so, slap up a sign. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, yeah, exactly. Love I agree. Dodge. Like, I think there are way more creative, brilliant ways to redesign Dodge. Is that, that might, you know, that might be something if I find out, because what I did learn from Jeff Rieselman is, you know, the best time to do a road diet is you plan for it when you know that that highway, because I think that's probably, I don't know, highway six, you know, so you plan for it along with your, your highway reconstruction. Now, I think that would be killer cool. I don't know if it would happen. And so that's probably not, you know, SOS is probably a little bit more granular, but I don't think just reducing the speed limit. I think if we took those two side lanes and you, do you know what I mean? And in cut them off. Jim's also a big proponent of not that this would probably ever happen, but you take all those cross streets out and you do it where you do. He explained it to me sort of like little turnpikes. Do you know what I mean? That there's, you let highway six be highway six, and then you can build businesses up along a corridor. Um, so I don't know if that will happen. And the momentum thing, I've listened to enough of your podcast that I totally, I know, I know what you feel. Um, but my understanding, my limited understanding is that I don't think when Jeff got hired, I think like from ALAC meetings that I've been at, um, I do think they've probably done things like with Blackstone. But what I think I didn't understand, and I thought maybe he might have said it on a mode shift interview, but just um, an action plan for a city of this size, you almost need a consultant or a group to uh, put together an action plan for a city of this sprawling size. Do you know what I mean? I don't know what he does on the daily. Um, I That's know what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. Like, sure. An action plan for a city of this size. Yeah. It's not going to happen overnight, but you've been there for a year and a half, mister. And I haven't seen peep out of his office until mode shift pokes him, you know, it's like, and even then he won't show up to stuff. So I, I understand it's not like going to have well, immediate I do remedies, but for- searching for a consultant. And I'm not, I'm not defending the city. I'm saying this as someone who used to work with, I mean, I was an environmental consultant, right? So I worked with the federal government and engineers. 
and just finding and Whoa, then the that makes me is, sick just hearing right federal and, government and engineers huh <laughs> the other thing is you don't just get to choose a consultant and then have your consultant there were discussions you know if you go to i know you've attended alac meetings i it must have been last year i can't remember when it was this year or last year but at one of the alac meetings there was even a discussion on whether or not you know there's you would know better about this sarah than than me that um like at a certain cost at a certain threshold something the city can't just pay for it they have to put it in front of city council and city council has to approve that so they were kind of deciding they were like do we this is going to be a big money thing i think right now it's 345 345,000 dollars for this plan so i think what they were trying to decide is do we have two consultants do it that are under the threshold that we don't have to go in front of city council so we can do this right now immediately or do we have one consultant do it for this big fee, but then we have to slow down and go in front of city council? And my understanding, the majority from what I remember from that ALAC meeting is people were like, we've waited so long, let's do it right. We want to do it. We would love to do it quick, but we don't want to piecemeal this shit. We want to do it right and just put it in front. Of- so who's to say, I don't know what he does on, on the daily, do you know, but even like, I didn't know what you did with Blackstone. I had no idea that that was partly mode shift and VID or anything like that. Um, So yeah, so I'm not, I guess I'm withholding judgment and we'll see after we get this uh, because what I do want and what I do want SOS to help with, when I said build on the momentum of vision zero, I learned that in that class at Tufts, that a good time to do something is building on the momentum of others. So I could also say building on the momentum of mode shift building on the momentum of, do you know what I mean? Um, like the spark or anything like that. I'm building on all existing momentum. I shouldn't have just said vision zero. But the thing is, I also think SOS, because what I get concerned about is like, like with that affordability housing survey, I got a hold of the city and I was like, you know, I just took this survey, but I haven't seen anything else about this. Like, have you given this survey to noise? Have you given this survey here? And Derek Miller sent me back the list of all the places they gave the survey. Um, I was like, well, I'll send it to noise because noise isn't on here. But what's funny is they truly, I think they believe they're sending it out to everyone. But I think there's a gap between like people who are in the know and general citizens. Because when I was at a Gifford Park Neighborhood Association the other night, a new guy in planning, I can't remember his name, but he was there with Danny Bagley. And I asked, I was like, how many people took this survey? Do you guys know how many people took the affordability housing survey? 1900. That's not enough. So my point is part of what I want SOS to be, because I think I have a large, varied network of people that I know after being in Omaha this long. Part of it is going to be, I want to be that mouthpiece. I want to crowdsource. Do you know what I mean? Because what we need is people showing up to these Vision Zero public meetings, because now basically it's really important. It's really critical. This action plan is really going to be all of Vision Zero. So like Moch, everyone needs to show up and make their voice heard with every action plan. Now, have I been at Charette's? I was at a Charette, you know, 20 years ago in Dundee when we were doing 50th and Underwood and all the neighbors wanted it to be a four-way stop, which Jeff Speck said on, someone said on your podcast, 
That is the safest way. Yeah, is it no a spec. way to stop? Nope, sure Absolutely it's not. Absolutely not. Right. That's the other thing is like, are we going to be heard? I don't know, but sorry. Well, and that's, no, no, not sorry. This is why we're super jazzed that you're here. We're like, we will just let her take it away. You're amazing. This is great. Uh, I think that you just kind of hit the nail on the head with, with two things. So, right, the communication piece, which yes, absolutely. Please spread all of these messages far and wide, which I know you will and are doing. And that's awesome. Because the city of Omaha has a communication problem just across the board. They eliminated their communication department at the last charter convention. Do you all know that? We used to have a communications department and Stothert decided we didn't need one. So that went away 10 years ago, which plays into a lot of our communication issues, uh, in my opinion. And yeah. Secondly, that whole, are we being heard? Okay. Like, sure. Yes. It should have been 1900 more people saying something about affordable housing, but We've had a lot of feedback on a lot of different issues that are not being addressed. So it's like, cute survey. Now, what are you going to do with it? Like, we, we were talking about this. Um, we just got Scott and I invited to be on a, a podcast with Strongly Worded Letters, who is um, a, kind of a grassroots group in Omaha that tries to advocate for, um, you know, just more public engagement, helps people write testimonies and letters to your representatives and that sort of thing. And we were talking about, like, being heard what does that mean? Because like, you know, so many times we go to city council and, you know, Danny Begley might be trying to do a good job. Thank you for being here. We really appreciate this. You need to be here. We hear you. Oh, but guess what? We're not going to vote according to what we just heard from, you know, countless people. Sometimes it'll be, you know, I'm just going to bring up the police budget because that was a big one a couple years ago. There were so many people saying the same thing. And what happened? Nothing was done with that information. So, it's just tricky. I mean, and this is this is part of the reason that I had to step back from mode shift. And sometimes I even feel like I don't know if I should be doing the podcast because I'm such a negative Nancy these days. Like I have tried for so long in so many different ways. And I'm just like, yeah, call your council person. Yeah, call the police. Yes, yeah, sign up for the newsletter. But like, these are the same things that we've all been trying because we've been told to do these things and they'll make a difference. Well, guess what? We've been doing these things and they're not making a difference. And so I don't want to poo-poo what you're doing because new enthusiasm is amazing and I'm not here to squash it. <sighs> I'm just, I just hope it works this time. I don't know. It's just so much. And I don't, I mean, I think part of it is just wanting to, which you've probably been here too, just uh, wanting some agency beyond like part of it is when you do talk to people, you do hear consensus that people think driving is unsafe here. The streets are unsafe here. And so like, I do think that we might be filling a niche. Like you've had such a, uh, successful, productive, discouraging time with mode shift. But you guys are like, we're focusing on basically curb to curb. You know what I mean? We're probably not doing much with sidewalks, but we don't need to. Mode shift has sidewalks covered. So we're more curb to curb, like feeling safe on the road as a driver, a pedestrian crossing the street, a cyclist. So I'm not saying we'll make headway in a way mode shift won't. I'm saying we're so completely different. Do you know what I mean? That maybe, I mean, I, I don't feel safe driving here. I have major driving anxiety here and a lot of other people do. And, you know, I love to ride my bike, but I only go to like Lake Cunningham and Keystone and Wabash. I won't even ride my bike to Elizabeth or Doug's house a mile and a half away. And that's even with the underground subway because there's other places like crossing Underwood. <laughs> I just don't, you know. So I don't, I hope that, I don't think that you're like yucking on my yum. I think that you're just giving, <laughs> giving your, your experience, you know? Cool. Thank you for knowing uh, by the because, way, because yeah, I love you and what you're doing. And I, I'm 
behind you. But I'm also just like tired. Sorry, go, Josh. No, I very much appreciate the work you're doing, and I'm glad you're here discussing it with us because I think you've already brought a couple of things to my attention that I've never even really thought about before. So I think that that is always fun when that happens. But this intersection I was thinking of, just so people know what I'm talking about, is the South Omaha Trail where it crosses 50th, um, which is kind of in between like G Street and I Street. Yeah, it's super flat right there and open, and it feels like, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's like a hill, about. like if you're going south, um, there's like a hill to your right, and you can sometimes not really see if cars are speeding over. But yeah, uh, people run you that light, because there is actually a light there. There's a full-on light there that, you know, you, you hit the pedestrian signal and people are supposed to stop, but always, every single time, one side or both sides of the street will run the red light so i wait till everybody stops before i even go or i just like go when it's clear and i don't even wait for the the signal that it's safe to go that'd be an interesting i don't know how much sos like mark fenton who i'll send you guys his information because i do think he would be a really he's (laughs) he is really passionate has Um, he come to omaha before for like a walk audit yes and he's got i met him when i was on the benson bid yeah, just, just he's got a gorgeous like seventies porn stash. Oh, nice! Know, like like chops and everything. Um, I don't know if he, I remember that. <laughs> well, that's funny. Maybe yeah. it's just whatever. After seeing yeah. his face every you know every week, but he's very big on you know on on pilot projects and demo projects. And I don't really that wasn't necessarily what I wanted SOS to do. But then I started to realize, well, maybe I do that at Fifty Second and Dodge. Maybe I do that at like you know, the 50th and G or the South of the South Omaha trail, especially because that does affect cyclists. Like maybe that's a partnership with mode shift. Um, and I don't quite know what it would be, but you know, I bet the place you're talking about, Josh is more an engineering issue. And I bet 52nd and Dodge is more a there's, and it's not even like there's as many stoplights there as there are on like 72nd street, but I have a feeling 52nd might just be straight people being assholes because when you can run a red light, when you're going uphill, I'm like, give me, give me a break. So part of it's going to be kind of like, you know, data research and doing more research on my own too. Cause I know more about design, I guess, than I do about how to curb behavior. And that's what's, or, you know, adjust behavior. I wanted to point out something that I learned from your website, which is safeomahastreets.com. Um, I knew that we are always like at the bottom of the list for bike friendly states, but I didn't know that we were number one for worst drivers. That is bonkers in 2021. And look at the past years. We're not, you know, we're not very like we're we're in the top 15 for, yeah, since looks like 2017, eighth worst, 2018, first worst again, and then 19, 15th worst. Like, yeah, geez, Louise. And across okay, so the country, two, we're seeing road fatalities go up because of, yeah, anyway, good. No, yeah, I mean, so one thing that I just noticed is this 50th thing, right? I didn't know the building right there is the City of Omaha Traffic Maintenance. Um, I don't know what that is, but it sounds ironic to me. I do. That's where the bike corral that they ripped out. You want to talk about demonstration pilot projects. Okay. Uh, yeah, that the bike so corral that used to be outside of the shop, that's where yeah. it lives now. That's hilarious. So yeah. that so that that's the building that you sit behind as you're waiting to get hit by a car on that 
um, light. Uh, and it's like then, poetic. It's good. I know, right? I just like saw that and I was like, what? I didn't realize that was the city of Omaha traffic made it. That's hilarious. See, now um, I want that project because it feels right? like it would be easier. I mean, it seems like it's harder to deal with the city, but sometimes it's easier to deal with the city than a private than a private owner, especially if you bring it, well, I don't know. I'm going to bring it in front of city council. It's, it's a crapshoot sort of, but sometimes I feel like maybe that would be, that would be kind of cool, you know, to like work a project. It's like, you're right there city. Like, I think that's would be a really fun project that I hadn't thought of. I haven't ridden that trail since last year. So yeah. I love that you brought that up. Cause that might be a project, but what were you going to then say, Josh? And then, um, and then I was going to say, it's also ironic that, you know, we always talk about Omaha being a car town and then yet we're not even good at that. <laughs> Jim says that my partner, Jim says that all the time. He's like, if we were really a car town, our roads would be better. People would drive safer. And he's like, and I would feel good about driving my beetle around, but he hasn't driven the beetle all summer. Because I think it makes him just damn nervous to take her out, you know, because you can only you can't speed away from someone who's about to hit you in that car. So that is ironic. <laughs> yeah, I know that um, the whole like Omaha has always been a car town, always will be a car town. Like Stothert said that, you know, and uh, it's just it is kind of funny. I wonder what she thinks she's doing for cars in this city, aside from like the street bond or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, hard to know. Cars cars, or at least we're getting a skyscraper. <laughs> Skyscrapers are so '80s too. Do you know what I mean? They feel so like so. Old. Yeah, everyone's working from home now, so let's build a ton of offices <laughs> and parking. Um, I went to a, that Gifford Park Association meeting, and I, I was a little surprised. I kind of guess I figured I made a stereotype about Gifford Park that they'd all be like super progressive, you know. Um, and one guy there actually was like, you know, Omaha's a car city, but he brought up a really interesting, this is one of those things where I'm like, well, I wonder if the city knows about this. He was bringing up, well, like mode shift, you guys fought for, um, uh, right on 38th and Dodge or 40th and Dodge. Remember they had like the, they were tearing down those houses and they were going to have like affordable, like five affordable housing units. And it's on the T it's like on the transit thing. So you guys were like, why do you have all these parking spaces, you know, if you're on the transit line? What I didn't realize is other places that have gone in around that neighborhood, this neighbor was saying from Gifford Park that they'll put these apartments up and they'll have these dedicated parking spaces that the tenants won't use. And then the tenants use the street parking that the neighbors would use prior to them going into it. And these neighbors have even contacted the building managers or the building owners and said, you know, your people aren't using that. Can we rent those spaces out? Um, because now we can't even park on the street. And they've all said no. And he was basically asking Danny Bagley, which I don't think Danny would know this. This is more of a, this isn't his venue, I don't think. But like asking like, can the city do something? Which I don't know if they could. You could if you're a progressive and figured out the law. But they were like, can the city please make sure that if you live in that building, you're parking in a space in the parking lot. You're not parking in our street, which I was like, that kind of blew my mind. It was a whole parking issue that hadn't even occurred to me. And then the more cars you have parked on the street, you know, I don't know. It's just interesting. I didn't know if you guys had heard anything about that. 
Well, being from Denver, where they were building tons of those buildings, like usually those places are trying to charge the tenants an extra a hundred or two hundred bucks a month for those spots. Um, so did that, some, that they're probably so, charging yes. like fifty dollars. Yep. So some of the tenants just don't want to pay that extra fee, and if they can park on the street for free, then that's what they'll usually do. I feel bad for the neighbors in those areas because they're already so congested. You know, I mean, it's just like I mean, it's just like another way that those landlords are trying to squeeze money out of people. And then it's bad for the neighbors and bad for the tenants. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just hate that we have such a car dependent society that you can't like live on a transit line and not have a car to still be a, you know, full citizen of Omaha. That's the thing that drives me a little bit bonkers is because like we're talking about, oh, that's my parking spot on the street, not the tenants over here. It's like, guess what? That's free parking is the myth. Like there's no such thing as free parking. We all subsidize your parking, which air quotes around your parking. Cause it's like street parking is not anyone's, but there are people who, woo, they will get up in arms. If you park in front of their house, which is clearly their street parking, free parking is a myth everywhere. Um, and I, I am glad that the landlords are charging more for parking because parking again, should not be something that's built into when we talk about affordable housing, that's a quick way to drive up costs. And if you're building in a TOD zone, transit-oriented development, we have some, you know, language around what that should look like. And it doesn't involve like a one-to-one parking situation for everybody. I don't know. Yeah. Just parking is such a weird thing because everyone's so used to it. And it's such like an entitled thing here. Like Omahans really like their parking a lot. And it's just like makes you wonder how many of us have gone out of the city to maybe like a bigger place where you might have to park a few blocks away from where you're going and you probably will still be okay uh it's just it's, it's just strange right? how we look at it What's um, that? i used to have to i used to have to park three when i would borrow a car i would have to park three to four blocks away from my apartment in denver a lot of times what what was your thought being a property owner in benson sarah i had seen someone put i didn't even know about this but a friend of mine put a poll on Instagram about what do you think about paid parking in Benson, like uh, parking meters. And, and my immediate thought was great. Um, and she was very against it. And apparently most people who replied to her are very against it. And I was like, yeah. but you're, you're a business owner there or a property yeah. owner. What are your Used thoughts? Used to be. Yeah. Um, so I am for paid parking uh, because I think that that shows that your business district is doing well. If you have a quote unquote parking problem, um, you know, if you want the primo spot, there's going to be a cost associated. Um, and I actually kind of was a little bit disappointed. I had friends, you know, KDFS lives in Minneapolis now. Uh, she used to work at the shop and a buddy's with her for a while. So she's like, I'm sorry, the creative like arts district in Benson is really having a hard time with this parking situation. Like they're against meters. Don't they understand how parking works? And it's like, no, so many people are just like, no, that'll ruin everything. That'll, it's like, no, it won't. Like it's, I, I really, I feel strongly about the importance of kind of a hierarchy of parking. If you want it to be free, it's probably not going to be right out front. If you need it, of course, we talk a lot about accessibility on this podcast. And like, I definitely feel strongly about making sure that folks who use mobility devices are right in front of whatever door is possible. Um, but for the majority of those people that are so irate about the concept of parking, not being free in Benson, it's like, come on, y'all, like, this is a silly conversation. And if they understood, you know, a lot of the, the goals that Benson as a district has involving like safety and lighting and beautification and like a lot of the stuff that the BID exists to do, they would have a bigger budget to play with if these meters went in because 
they get the money and then it gets reinvested into the district so that you don't feel scared walking a block to your car because there's lighting. And, you know, like it's just. Well, <sighs> and also, is doing that thing where if you ride your bike to Benson, you get a free water bottle. So I don't know what BFF's stance mm. on it is, but I was, it was one of those things where I was just uh, making an assumption that everyone was for paid parking in Benson. And then I saw that and I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. No, I, uh, it makes me sick to like walk around Benson and see shops that like I actually, or like Megan Hunt, super progressive. Like she's against yeah. meters. I'm like, all right, we need to have a conversation because yeah, it's surprising. Like it's kind of a progressive issue. It seems like in some ways that like, you'd be like, okay, no, that's actually okay to pay for the things that you're benefiting from. And like, if you want to park right in front, it might cost you 25 cents. Oh no. Um, but yeah, it was a really background and I'm still like, like I'm way more progressive, especially after being with Jim. And I think I also, someone said to me one time when I was really libertarian, not crazy psycho libertarian, but just like, you know, um, and a friend of mine said, you know, I, I thought about being libertarian and he's like, and it's, it's kind of a snotty elitist thing to say. And he's like, and then I realized a lot of people are stupid. And he's like, and sometimes we need laws to combat selfish stupidity. And I was like, mm. that is, I mean, it was a jaded way to say it. But my point is, yeah, I never would have occurred to me that people who are like walking the walk, like living the progressive life wouldn't be. So now I kind of like how we both, how we all want to know, the four of us want to know about why, or the three of us want to know about why Ernie Chambers wasn't for that. Now I want to know why Megan Hunt's not for that. Cause maybe there's something that I haven't considered and it just needs to be adjusted, but super mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's just unpopular because as soon as something changes in a neighborhood and people have to pay for a service that used to be free, people are going to freak out, but they get used to it. I lived through, it's, again, I have to go like back to roundabouts. Denver because that's where I lived. I, I had I had to go back to Denver because that's where I lived the longest and I lived while there was like drastic growth and I watched meters come into numerous different neighborhoods or meters get expanded and people get used to it eventually. It becomes a non-issue at some point. Um, but at first, everybody freaks out. That's just how it goes. And I think Jim somebody like that- Megan Hunt who needs votes, you know, to stay in office, she's probably, that's not the hill she's going to die on. Um, <laughs> I get it. Uh, but you know, also there are other things I would like to see because in Denver, if you live, especially by where a lot of the music venues are, uh, or the more popular parks, you know, you have to have a permit to even park on the street. Um, and I think that that's a really important thing to do because, you know, that encourages people, uh, to take, uh, public transportation, ride their bikes, do whatever to go to the concerts, to go to the parks and not just drive everywhere. Um, like if you want to go see a show at the Fillmore, which is kind of like our version of like maybe the Sokol theater, you can't park within like six or seven blocks of that place without a permit. Um, and that's, that's what could be done in Benson. That's the other thing that I think, uh, and again, because I've been part of these conversations for literally years, Benson's been considering meters, but it's been kind of like quiet and they've been, you know, a lot of discussions involved. And I don't know, I didn't go to the meeting when the city finally like presented their plan to everybody. Cause I, at that point had already like lost my mind. Uh, but what I do know is that they apparently didn't get the point across that it's actually up to Benson. Like Benson would be the one that would be kind of like, driving this but you know like so if the the 
complaints that I was hearing that were most staggering to me were from bartenders who were like, we work till 3 a.m. and then we have to walk a block and we are going to get robbed or whatever. And we, I'm like, you're just parking in front of your business all day long. Like, I, I, as you all know, had a shop up there. We had parking in the back. I had the bike corral to encourage people to bike, to bike there. We had bike and discounts. Like you were saying, they now BFF is encouraging people. You have to incentivize ways to get to Benson or wherever that aren't in a car. And that's kind of what the parking meters are doing. They're disincentivizing everyone driving no matter what. And I think that until we start seeing some shifts like that, which, yeah, are they going to be uncomfortable and like something different to get used to at first? Yeah. But in the long run, it's going to solve a lot of the issues that Benson is supposedly having problems with. Um, And so I just think that it didn't seem like that a lot of the backlash that I heard from the community about the parking meters was even really well founded. It's like, did you listen to all of the presentation? And then it made me wonder what all was missing from the presentation because it sounded like, okay, if this happens, they're going to be working with other property owners in the area with underutilized parking lots, like the library lot, like the law office lot, like the, you know, all the churches have empty lots most of the time. So it would have actually been a way to utilize all of the assets of the district and yeah, if you want front row seats, you're paying front row prices. And I think that that's how it should go. Um, so yeah, that was kind of just a disheartening thing to watch. Like I was like, I'm not even getting involved in that conversation. But ugh, plus, if you want yeah. to, plus it's good to disincentivize people from driving to bar areas anyway, and encourage them to want to. That's exactly it. You want to Ubers talk about drunk stuff. driving? Like, why yeah. are we bending over backwards to make sure we can pack as many people into Benson to get wasted and then drive home? Are you kidding me? Like that was actually another thing that I was wondering if it was on your radar. Trility is drunk driving as some sort of a, you know, a one of your short list items. It's some, I mean, like I said, we just want to focus because I know how quickly I would get overwhelmed and I just want to have a really, the way my brain works, I need like a clear focus. So that's why we want to like get as many people as we can around these two issues. Um, I do think we have a, I think we have a shitty alcohol culture here and granted I haven't drank for over 20 years but I really hate a drunk and I really hate um irresponsible use of alcohol so it hasn't it hasn't been something yet um I'm surprised it's so weird because in the 80s I mean we had mad everyone know who mad was like where's mad do we not have mad anymore I feel like no one I feel like there's not a lot going on about that there are sometimes I talked to a guy, I think maybe his name was Lieutenant Neil Bonacci or Bonassi. And I believe he does, if I have this correct, he does a lot of the grant writing for OPD. Like I didn't realize that he has to write grants for some of these special things. And a lot of us, they have to either do with like um, promoting good driving to high schoolers or having like drunk driving things, um, which I found really interesting. But yeah, I don't know. We aren't really doing anything with it. And we're still sort of mid-launch, like the website's up and ready. I have a couple blogs in the one of the blog posts you might appreciate, might not. It's uh, an interview with Jeff on Vision Zero. Um, so that's our first blog post. Now, I, I'm really bad at social media. It kind of gives me anxiety. So we're not going to be on Twitter at this point, but I am in the process of starting a Facebook page and an Instagram page. I'm not going to let people get political. I'm basically, if you are a lame asshole, you're getting blocked, you know? Um, But I want it to use, I I know I need to use that as a platform. So what I'm trying to do is get some blog posts in the till, um, the thing about like the Just Zip It campaign and some other things like that, and then really share those with our network. So we're sort of mid-launch. And as we do that, I would love if I send you guys things and if you would share them, if you find them, 
if you are for it. If there's anything that's enforcement, and I understand with your ethics that you wouldn't feel good promoting that, that's totally fine. But if it is something that jives with your ethics and you don't have a problem promoting it, um, I would love if, you know, you could help out with that too. So, and I am trying to, we really do want it to be, whether this is intentional or not, and I don't think it is, but I think a lot of the advocacy organizations focus on East Omaha. Um, and, you know, driving this, I think what you said the other day, which I had never heard of, you said on one of the podcasts was like, um, split the town in two. I was like, oh, that'd be brilliant. Cause I do think yeah. it's huge, but I am trying to, we have 200 neighborhood associations. So I'm also going to spread the word of SOS to all the neighborhood associations. All the city council people know about it. Our local senators already know about it. Um, but I am going to try and engage with with West Omaha as much as I can and kind of find advocates or representatives out there that want to spread the word too. So, cause I don't know if, I don't know what's going on out there in suburbia, you know? Right. No. Awesome. That's great. I'm excited to watch it continue to uh, grow and yeah, working off the momentum of what's already out there. I like it a lot. I'm excited wow. to talk to Josh about this intersection. Cause I want that to be like, I think that would be a fun thing to get the city because I don't necessarily, there's ways I, I probably don't, I, I don't want to work against anyone, but I don't want to be a kiss ass either. Do you know what I mean? I'm not clueless. Um, I want, I'm me. I'm honest about why I'm doing this. Like if I would have been let on the ALAC board, I probably wouldn't have started SOS. So I don't know, maybe there's something good mm -hmm. there, but like, what a cool demo project that would be to be like traffic maintenance is right here. Help us. Help us redesign, help us re-engineer, you know, even on a small scale, like with the plungers or, or any small pilot project, enough paint, volunteers, you got it. Not that you know anything about the plungers. I mean, like, not yeah. that you, I'm no just idea. saying, yeah. <laughs> what I will say, though, is we as Mode Shift. You told me about the plungers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah. all good. We should, we could talk about it. I don't have anything to lose at this point. Um the project that we brought to the city of Omaha years ago involved green paint and slowing traffic. Uh, I don't know if I ever told you about this or maybe Jim at some point, but we approached the city of Omaha, the public works department and said, Hey, we have data that shows green paint actually helps everyone understand where people on bikes go uh, at busy intersections. We would love to just do a demonstration project. We have the money for the paint. We have the volunteers. We have the design. We have like whatever. We just need you to not fine us for painting the streets. And yeah. they're like, no, no, nope. really? Omaha will never have green paint, never going to be in the budget. So we don't want to do anything like that. Huh. So, so I just want to, you know, Debbie Downerify it for you. <laughs> Sorry. It just always is like, oh, when I've done this, it hasn't worked. Uh, but also like, you're not Sarah Johnson. So hopefully you'll have a lot better success. Um, because yeah, we definitely, ModeShift used to try to work with the city, you know, like that was how it started. Um, and that's just kind of changed over the years, but. ModeShift been around 24. 2012 2012 or 11 11 yeah it's been over yeah. over 10 started. years when it all started it subtle was in office um yeah. we Maybe worked with him thing obviously don't you think it's an what? administration thing possibly oh, yeah absolutely because talking about momentum like we you know he hired the bike ped coordinator we got him to put the um harney street it wasn't even we got him to do that. Like the metrics were such that it it rose to the top of the priorities for bike infrastructure protected on Harney for 10 years. HDR. I mean, if you come from HDR, he was corporate. He understood how to make things move quickly. He understood the big yeah. picture of design. And he also would come to some of our meetings 
at Green Neighborhood Council, when we first talked about community gardens and someone asked him, he was there, they're like, what if we have like a vacant lot and we want it, you know? And he was like, well, you know, sometimes asking for forgiveness is better than permission, which cracked me up. But, you know, we have a pretty thriving community garden scene. And my yeah. some a few people and I were the ones who put on a panel about community gardens. We had city sprouts there. We had Narita Collar from the city. We had the mayor and Dundee Community Garden got its start at that meeting. People sat down in the audience and got that done. So what I can't ever probably do with transportation, I feel like I did in the green part of Omaha. That's awesome. Thank you for all of your prior efforts too. Yeah, you have have a lot of good that you've already done for Omaha. So this is going to be fun to watch what this does. I cannot believe it's been an hour. I could talk to you for days. um, But to be respectful of everyone's time, do you have any parting thoughts for our dear listeners or any calls to action aside from following you um, on limited social media smartly you're gonna get on social media but you can sign up for like for notices if you go to safeomahastreets.com and then safeomahastreets at gmail um to be on any of our newsletter lists and and i love to hear back from people because you guys have told me things that i was like oh i don't think about that you know i don't i don't know everything jim and i don't know everything um i'd just love to hear people's feedback on what they think the situation is in omaha too because like our 50th and g all these things I love to gather. I'm a data gatherer, you know? So yeah, that's about it. And I really do awesome. love your guys' podcast. It's been really illuminating to go back and listen to some because I'm not a big podcast listener. And so I've been binging for like the past week. It's been really interesting. Awesome. Well, thanks. It's cute. You did your homework. Yeah. I, I'm also not a podcast listener. Like I don't even listen to our podcast. So thank you for listening. Uh, Josh, you have anything else you want to add, my friend? I would like to add that I almost exclusively listen to podcasts these days. You can give Sarah and I, I do listen to Smartless. I don't know if that's, that, with Ooh, Jason that's a great one. and Sean Hayes. Yeah, that's. What'd you call it? Smart List? Smartless. 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 Okay. Um, I'm maybe I'll have to like, check it out. Um, one of them brings a guest on, but the other two don't ever know who the guest is. It's a surprise, but just oh, listen to fun. Bateman and Will Arnett and Sean Hayes is a delight and they're celebrities so everyone's a little bit it's very rarely political it's like you just forget you're just in little celebrity bubble and so it's kind of a nice escape for an hour I like that idea yeah. <laughs> oh, awesome well thank you again Trility this has been uh yeah just fun to catch up it's been too long uh and yeah we will spread the word and support and share and whatnot we'll talk to you soon and that is it for this episode of Car Free Midwest We're here almost every other week with interviews, topics, and documentary pieces covering all things transportation. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at CarFreeMidwest, or visit us at CarFreeMidwest.com. So subscribe now to CarFreeMidwest wherever you listen to podcasts, and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash CarFreeMidwest. This podcast has been produced by me, Joshua LeBure, with support from Mode Shift Omaha modeshiftomaha.org and this is our sign off good day this is kind of a good day you can't tell me what to do